Welcome to the Ultraviolet Tide podcast presented by The Ultraviolet. Join us every week for a healthy dose of skincare tips and tricks, lifestyle advice, mental health advocacy, and more all rolled into one weekly podcast. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome back to the Ultraviolet Tide. For today's episode, I am joined by Megan Davidson. Megan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited for this conversation. We're diving for the first time really into a different topic. So we take a lot of time on our podcast to talk about skin cancer, awareness, and education. And today we're really diving into nutrition. Um, And before we officially dive into the episode, I did want to give some background on Megan so that you all know a little bit more about her and her background. So Megan is a registered nurse and clinical educator. She works one-on-one with clients newly diagnosed with celiac disease on everything from understanding the disease process to label reading, creating a gluten-free kitchen, and successfully eating out while gluten-free. She is an evidence-based coach, very knowledgeable about living a gluten-free lifestyle and strategies surrounding food restrictions. All of these things are so important. We were even talking about it a little bit before we started recording. Um, But Megan, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you were introduced to this world? Of course. Um, So like you said, I'm a registered nurse. I have my master's degree in nursing um, and evidence-based leadership. My background is actually in the ER. Uh, So I've done everything from running a busy ER, um, running a level two trauma center in the Chicagoland area and then switched over to the clinical education side. So um, what that means is I educate other clinicians on best practices. I read medical journals kind of for a living and for fun, uh, which is some people's nightmare, but I think it's really interesting. (laughs) But as soon as COVID hit, so we were, um, you know, in the midst of all the things, as you can imagine, in the ER, I just, I wasn't feeling great. Um, I was super tired. I would call it like a chronic fatigue, but I also wasn't eating very well at that point. I had two small children. So I kind of attributed a lot of it to, um, kind of the phase of life that I'm in right now, but we got deep into the first COVID summer, uh, and our kids daycare shut down. So I ended up taking a leave of absence from work for six weeks. And I was so excited to, finally take some time to feel a little bit better. Um, and then was really shocked when I didn't. So I was getting enough sleep. I was doing all the things. I started cleaning my diet up and I still felt terrible, um, which is kind of what led me to dig a little bit deeper, uh, and which is when I was diagnosed with celiac. So to give a little bit of background, if people are like, what is celiac? I've heard it before, but I I don't Mm -hmm. really know what it truly is. Can you give kind of like a definition and an explanation of what it truly is? Of course. So celiac disease is an autoimmune disease, which means that your body attacks itself. It recognizes gluten as kind of a foreign invader um, and turns on your immune system. So anytime that I or anybody else ingests gluten, inflammation begins in your small intestine, causes a lot of GI symptoms, but it can travel all over your body. So a lot of people have like the chronic fatigue, migraines, depression, Mm -hmm. pretty much 
any symptom that you can imagine can be a symptom of celiac disease. And the only treatment for it at this point is a complete 100% very strict gluten-free diet. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great backstory. And it's something that maybe people listening have experienced maybe a gluten intolerance, but they're not sure Mm -hmm. if it's that, if it's dairy, if it's something else. I mean, there are just so many things in our diet Mm -hmm. it possibly could be that are triggers for inflammation. And so when you were first diagnosed, was it kind of an aha moment of you started feeling better as soon as you took it out of your diet? Or was it kind of a little bit of a progression? It was definitely a progression. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I I think a lot of people experience this. I felt worse before I started feeling better. Okay. Um, you kind of go through that that detox period where your body's like, I don't know what's going on. Um, so I think I had the expectation of having the aha, wow, I feel great. And it didn't quite happen, which is very disappointing when you've kind of struggled with some of these things for a while, just expecting them to disappear overnight. Um, But for a lot of people who struggle with chronic inflammation, even not related to celiac disease, it can take years to to heal all of that and to really start feeling better. So what are some of the tools that maybe your doctor gave you or you started to learn Mm -hmm. that you can incorporate into your everyday life? And what were kind of the results that you saw from that once you started understanding that this was the issue and that you were going to have to make lifestyle and dietary changes? Mm -hmm. I think with any sort of medical diagnosis, so much of it is mental in addition to being physical. So really learning, I think, especially as a female, um, I'm such a people pleaser. I never want to inconvenience people or make people go out of their way. Um, Really learning how to stand up for myself. And, you know, this Mm -hmm. is a medical need. It's not, you know, a lifestyle choice, but even if it was a lifestyle choice, it's okay for me to have my own thoughts and beliefs and opinions on what I put into my body and asking people to respect that. But along with that, I think a lot of people fall into the victim mentality after they receive a diagnosis. So realizing that, you know, celiac disease is my responsibility. It's not anyone else's responsibility. I don't ever expect anyone to accommodate me. I I don't expect anyone to provide gluten-free options for me. I think a lot of people fall into the trap of how come they didn't have something for me, but that's so inconsiderate and everybody's kind of living their own life. And when you realize that whatever hand you're dealt, whether it's celiac disease, whether it's skin cancer, that it's something that you have to own and um, mm-hmm. it's it's your responsibility, not anybody else's. I think the mental shift can then start happening and that is so much bigger than any of the physical changes that you you might be able to see. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And, you know, on kind of a personal note, I was at a wedding with a dear friend a couple, honestly, at this point, it was a couple years ago, it was during COVID. And Mm -hmm. she is she has had celiac disease for about, Mm -hmm. I think she was diagnosed about five years ago. And she just Mm -hmm. knows to carry around bars with her that she can eat because they were supposed to have an option for her, but they didn't. And she's like, that's okay. This is their day. This is not about Mm -hmm. me. And she had bars. And then afterwards she went and got something to eat, you know, out after the wedding, but it's hard and it is getting a little bit easier. I feel like people are more acknowledging it, but it's still certainly a 
a little bit of a struggle. It is. And it's hard to not take it personally, but you know, like I mentioned, just that's, that's part of a diagnostic process is learning to live your new normal and learning to accept it and learning to be okay with who you are and what you need to do for yourself. Um, and that's a big thing that I teach to, to clients is making sure you're having snacks before you go and bringing something with you and always having a backup plan in case things fall through so that you don't end up hangry and um, coming from that place of disappointment and really just trying to continue living your life despite a diagnosis. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And my parents are both, they, they're not celiacs, but they do mm-hmm. have a very, very strong gluten intolerance that for mm-hmm. years, they didn't know what it was. And it was misdiagnosed and they did a bunch of tests and they didn't know what it was. And my mom said, as soon as they started figuring out and they would go to restaurants, she's like, yes, I'm going to be the dramatic one, but I'm gluten-free and I'm going to yeah. order this. And she would yeah. feel like so guilty about it and so silly about yeah. it. I'm like, well, you let them know and you didn't make a big deal of it. And then Mm-hmm. You moved on and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we're living in such a time with so many food intolerances and so many food allergies. Um, I try and approach it from a place of education versus a place of, you know, defensiveness or hostility, teaching them with it, obviously in a way that is appropriate for the situation. If you're in a busy restaurant, you know, teaching somebody right. about celiac is not their top priority, right. but um, just kind of mentioning celiac saying, you know, I'm medically gluten-free because a lot of people think that this is um, a fad mm-hmm. diet or, you know, a dietary choice and just saying, you know, right. like this is a, this is a medical diagnosis for me. Um, I'd really appreciate it if you could change utensils, use new gloves, wash surfaces, things like that. And most people are very accommodating and, um, are, are thankful for the opportunity because a lot of times people say I'm gluten-free and just expect people to know what that means. Right. Um, but they don't. And yep. kind of telling them that means I need a new pan when I'm, you know, when you're cooking something for me and um, mm-hmm. not using the same pasta water that you used. Um, it all, it's, everybody's learning and yeah, it's, it's hard for everybody. Yeah. I completely agree. Or just learning to ask questions like, is the oil that you use to fry your French fries the same as your hush mm-hmm. puppies or other items that might yeah. have gluten in them? Mm-hmm. And just learning those questions. And like you said, it's a total learning game and everyone, no one in this world is out to get you. I, I firmly believe mm-hmm. that. I think people at I restaurants agree. are yeah. hoping to help. It's just sometimes difficult to know. Um, so when it comes to the health benefits of yeah. going gluten-free, um, for a mm-hmm. lot of people, it is an inflammatory in their bodies. Mm-hmm. So when they reduce it, what are some of the health benefits that they might see if their body is just not processing it? So there is celiac disease, which is when your body actually attacks its own cells um, when you ingest gluten. And then there's something called non-celiac gluten sensitivity, which is kind of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm where you still have the inflammatory process, but you don't have the breakdown of those intestinal cells um, and the lining of your small intestine. Um, It's really unclear how many people actually have this non-celiac gluten sensitivity. I think more and more people are kind of discovering that they do. Uh, Research shows us right now that 
unless you have one of those two things, going gluten-free isn't necessarily um, going to be a huge benefit. But if you are struggling from things like bloating, constipation, diarrhea, brain fog, um, you know, incurable kind of depressions and things like that, um, that can be symptoms of this gluten sensitivity, my number one recommendation would be to kind of start a food diary. See if you can correlate things, you know, after you're eating gluten, are you experiencing those symptoms within 24 hour period? Uh, and if that's the case, then cutting out gluten could definitely help reduce those symptoms, but it will take it. I would say a good couple of months to really, um, start seeing that you will hear people say like, I cut out gluten and I felt better immediately. Um, but I just, I wouldn't want to get somebody's hopes up that they're going to cut it out and see this, this miracle happen. Um, the problem is, so a lot of times when people think about going gluten-free, they try and find gluten-free substitutes for unhealthy foods to begin with. Hmm. And that's, that shouldn't be your focus. If you're looking at reducing inflammation and, um, and things like that, if you're substituting regular cookies for gluten-free cookies, that's, you're not going to see that benefit that you're looking to, to see. And you'll actually probably see the opposite. So Mm -hmm. gluten-free food substitutions tend to have more, um, they're usually higher in fat, higher in sugar, uh, than their regular counterparts because they kind of have to, I'm not going to lie to you, gluten-free food doesn't taste as good as it, as their gluten counterpart. <laughs> and so they have to make up for it somehow. So they add extra fat and extra right. sugar. So if you're eating two regular cookies, if you eat two gluten-free cookies, you're usually going to be consuming more calories, more fat, more sugar. Uh, so a lot of people mm-hmm. um, who adopt a gluten-free lifestyle and do those one-to-one substitutions actually end up gaining weight because they're, they're ingesting a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of focusing on necessarily saying, I'm going to go gluten-free, um, I would say start the food journal, see if you're starting to notice things. And instead of just going gluten-free, I would examine your diet as a whole. Um, one of my favorite sayings from one of my mentors in my undergrad is eat real foods, mostly plants, don't eat too much. Mm -hmm. And if you take those guidelines, they sound so simple, but start incorporating, you know, a more plant-based diet, um, limiting processed food, um, really refined carbohydrates, fried foods, lots of sugar, you're going to see a lot more benefits on that reduction in inflammation than if you just decided to go gluten-free. Yeah, I completely agree. I think what you're talking about and having a more holistic approach to your overall health is such a good way to look at it because sometimes Mm -hmm. when we're experiencing issues, you try and label it as just one thing, but there are just so many Mm -hmm. things going on, whether it be, you know, food or environmental, or maybe you're just super anxious. Maybe you're having a very, very difficult Mm -hmm. month. I mean, that can affect your gut Mm -hmm. as well. Stress is not a fun thing to deal with. Your body does not like it. Yeah. No. And again, I think stress plays a huge factor. And if you're dealing with something like a skin cancer diagnosis or even, um, you know, post-recovery, there's still so much of that stress and anxiety that, that can linger. And so talking with somebody about it, um, finding a counselor that can help you work through some of those things, I think would be so much more of a benefit than just cutting gluten out of your diet. 
Um, I'd also just like to add, unless you're in it for the long run, you know, going gluten-free is not something that you should kind of just take on haphazardly. Um, and it, it can lead to that yo-yoing effect mm-hmm. if you're, if you're kind of looking at it, um, for a short-term option. So unless you're committed to doing it long-term, I would definitely, um, look more into some other lifestyle factors that might help you. So when we're talking about nutrition, I did want to touch on label reading because mm-hmm. sometimes it's really hard for people to know what to look for. Obviously, if you're if you have celiac disease, you're looking for gluten-free and you're looking mm-hmm. for those things, but just on a more broad nutritional level, what are some things, you know, when it comes to processed foods that people should mm-hmm. maybe be avoiding? <laughs> um so the longer the ingredient list, it usually the worse things are for you. Um, if there are lots of things that you can't pronounce, um, if they are very high in trans fat and saturated fat, um, it's not to say that you can't have those things, but we need to talk more about moderation. And I think, I think if we can take everything in moderation, people would be doing a lot better. Sodium. A lot of people mistake some of these GI symptoms, this bloating. Um, if you're eating a lot of processed foods that are really high in sodium, mm-hmm. a lot of processed meats that are really high in sodium, you'll experience that bloating effect kind of similarly. It's usually a little bit more generalized than um, just in your abdomen, which is usually more of like a gluten issue. Um, but but just looking out for those, those big indicators. Um, I think would be really helpful shopping the perimeter of the grocery store, making sure that you're getting enough fruits and veggies. Uh, I, I think people know deep down kind of what foods are good for them and what foods are not good for them. Um, I am yet to come across very many people in all of my years in nursing who can't look at something and say, this probably isn't the healthiest choice. Um, but learning to make those lifestyle choices is a lot more challenging. So instead of focusing so hard on the label mm-hmm. reading, kind of rethinking the way that you're eating and some of those emotional ties that you have to some of these foods and trying to find alternatives, uh, that's a big part of learning to live with a diagnosis that comes with food restrictions is finding things that are you don't realize how much emotional ties you have to food, to holidays, to things like that until you all of a sudden can't participate mm-hmm. and you have this strong emotional response to it. Right. Um, so kind of figuring out what those are for you and some other way that you can find that fulfillment, um, I think will suit you better than focusing so hard on label reading. I think that's such a great point because I think sometimes we obsess over the label or we just obsess over certain things that maybe Mm -hmm. make our life more difficult and overcomplicating the process. And you talk a lot about creating a gluten-free kitchen, but that that is for people who have celiac disease or, you know, it doesn't always have to be completely removed from your diet in order for people who Mm -hmm. don't have the autoimmune disease Mm -hmm. to continue being healthy. I, you did such a good job making that distinction, but I want to remind people not to take on like fad diets mm-hmm. just because um, all of our bodies are so different. And I always find it so fascinating. You know, sometimes it ties back into 
what you grew up eating or your Mm -hmm. ethnicity, different bodies respond to different types of food groups. And there's no one size fits all solution or approach um, to your, your personal health. And especially if you are dealing with a cancer diagnosis, it's really important to keep your medical team in the loop. If you're talking about making large dietary changes, um, one thing that they do find with, um, a lot of people who go gluten-free in studies is that they develop other nutritional deficiencies because they're they're missing some of those things that they're used to getting from whole grains. Um, so making sure that you are keeping an eye on vitamin and mineral deficiencies if you do decide to um, adopt a gluten-free lifestyle is really important. Yeah, absolutely agree. So to continue on the gluten-free, do you have some favorite gluten-free brands or products? Hmm. So I've recently gotten into Aldi. They surprisingly yes. do a really good job with gluten free. Um, there's a, a some live G free chips that I'm really into yes. right now. I'm, I'm telling you all about healthy foods, and, and then I'm going to tell you that I've been eating these tor- <laughs> there's these tortilla chips. Um, they're rice and quinoa mm-hmm. based, um, and they are delicious. They are this uh, the sweet chili. Yes all these chips. Otherwise, um, it's really tough to find good bread and pasta. Mm -hmm. Right now we're doing Jovial brand pasta. Um, and Walmart actually has a gluten-free bread that's a lot softer than, um, some of the other breads out there that you will find. Um, we've tried to not do a lot of, like I mentioned, the one-for-one gluten-free swaps, but it is nice to just have a loaf of bread around for when you want it. And it's nice to be able to just cook up some pasta, especially with small kids sometimes. So those are kind of, those are kind of my go-tos. Otherwise we really try to stick to a lot of whole foods. We eat a lot of quinoa. Um, quinoa is a great, um, gluten-free alternative to just a lot of grains, um, and has a little bit more, it's a, it's a lot more nutrient dense than rice. You can substitute it for that. Turned a lot of things into bowls. So instead of like wraps and sandwiches, we turned it into a bowl. We put it over quinoa mm-hmm. um, and just kind of learning that you can still eat the same things. It just looks a little bit different. Yeah. Quinoa is one of my go-tos. My husband and I make mm-hmm. a big thing of quinoa salad every week mm-hmm. and that's our lunch for the entire week. It's oh, so yeah. good. Oh, I'd love to know what you put in it. <laughs> yeah. You'll have to send me a recipe. I will. It is so tasty and you don't feel like you're missing anything and you feel good after you eat it. And and that's just mm-hmm. my, my personal favorite. We found that that works for us. But Megan, thank yeah. you so much for your time and yeah. for this conversation. Thank you for having me. For anyone listening, where can they find you if they want to connect? So right now I'm working mostly one-on-one with those newly diagnosed with celiac, but um, kind of starting to dip our toes into the the online format just because that seems to be where everybody is these days. So if you'd love to come support me, I'd really appreciate it. I'm at um, The Celiac Coach on Facebook or um, on Instagram at the underscore celiac underscore coach. Um, hoping to get a lot more gluten-free content and everything out there. There's such a need. There's huge void in the celiac community for reliable information. So anybody that we can get on board, um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are aware when you have a disease, there's just, it feels like you're in this void by yourself. So I think the more that we can get out there about any type of disease uh, is beneficial to everybody. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And we will link all of that in the show notes and um, resources as well for people to find. But Megan, thank you so much again. 
Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ultraviolet Tide podcast, a weekly podcast that delivers a healthy dose of skincare tips and tricks, lifestyle advice, mental health advocacy, and more, all rolled into one weekly podcast. You can find us at lowultraviolet.com and wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week on the Ultraviolet Tide.